0: It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now
1: your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome to another Tucson Means Business where we look into businesses, we look into the owners of these businesses, and we look into people that have tough jobs in these businesses as well. And that is not necessarily their own business, but people who are out there in the front line and making that business work for the owners. Because let's face it, that's what Tucson Business Radio is all about. We're here to help businesses in our city of Tucson. And although this may be heard anywhere across the globe, welcome. We're proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club right here in Tucson, and they feature the fabulous Rincon Girl. My guests today are three ladies and three very diverse backgrounds and careers, I guess you could say. The first is Lillian Marino Martinez, and she's a senior representative with Lillian and Associates. They offer a little bit more than financial services. We're going to find out why did this female go into this particular business. I mean, it's not an easy business. So why? Linda McCollum, on the other hand. 88 Crime Program Director. Now, this is something new and exciting that's happening in our city. She heads it all up. It's a government uh, deal, but there's a bit more to it than that as well. She's the Program Director, 88 Crime. Linda McCollum is her name, and we're going to be meeting her. And then we have uh, Blue Eyes and I Went to War. Uh, Cecily, (laughs) uh, your eyes are fought. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Cecily? I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. Now, you are Creative Director and Founder of of single focus web. Mm-hmm. It's a company right here in Tucson, a web shop located that specializes in well-crafted websites for nonprofits mm-hmm. that speak to the special needs of each organization and their supporters. Wow, it sounds like you do a lot. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. Did you grow up here in Tucson? or uh, you I were, did,
0: yeah. You know? I'm a native Tucsonan. I moved away. I went to College of Massachusetts, but I ended up back here.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody seems to move away but come back, don't they?
0: Yeah. It's uh, a black hole. It's a wonderful place. Yeah, it is a
1: good place, and that's the uh, – maybe the mountains are calling you. Immediately prior, though, to forming Single Focus Web, you worked for an international web firm
0: mm-hmm.
1: called Corner Shop Creators. Is that right? That's right. Now, apparently, they had a wonderful reputation with larger national – and international nonprofits for pairing innovative web design with usability focused on the special needs of nonprofits. How did you go about that?
0: Um, they're actually one of the first companies that focused purely on nonprofits as far as uh, kind of their digital presence. Um, and when I started that, they were just starting up, so I was actually the second employee there, um, worked there for a while. They still do great work, but they are quite a bit bigger um, and usually don't take on more localized nonprofits like we have here in Tucson, which we have quite a few in Tucson.
1: Mm, I think it's around about 3,500 or something, isn't it? Mm. Interesting number. Well, you were the only second employee to be brought in during Corner Shop's early days. Uh, you were lucky enough to be able to uh, really both learn and uh, help shape the growth of Corner Shop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really exciting. Wonderful
1: experience for you. Would it be fair to say that uh, that experience guided you into uh, starting Single Focus Web?
0: It sure did, yeah. Um, A lot of what we did there and a lot of the kind of new approaches we took with um, nonprofits really led to the creation of Single Focus Web here in Tucson, which again focuses entirely on nonprofits here in Tucson.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, even before Corner Shop Creative, you gained substantial experience with the community food bank. Um, What were you doing there, S.
0: Um, I did their web presence, their website, um, starting on in the kind of early 2000s. They were, they're were they a pretty big food bank. The Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona is a really kind of a neat one um, that we have here. And they were a little bit forward thinking, so they actually hired a web developer pretty early on. And we were able to raise quite a bit of money um, online for them. So. Yeah,
1: I have that down here. When you say they were forward thinking at that mm-hmm. time, was that – Sort of you know, it they, wasn't
0: very common for a nonprofit to hire right. someone just for doing their website at that or website at that point. at least a local nonprofit. Mm-hmm. a lot of national nonprofits do, so
1: mm. you know. Well, Red you did a Rossins great like job. That, right? I mean, I've got <laughs> it down here on the research I found out. When you actually started with them, they were doing something like, uh, well, just under $25,000 in yearly donations. Uh, you left uh, at the stage where you helped them raise $1.4 That's right. Yeah.
0: That's not bad. It was pretty great. Yeah.
1: All, all, uh, not not
0: well, just does one say
1: all, really. all online right mm-hmm. online yep. collection man that's a turnaround and a half I'm going to find out a little bit more about that later <laughs> I really do want to know because that's that's amazing isn't it Linda huh?
2: yes it is <laughs> <laughs> It's remarkable
1: how does one go about that uh, Linda McCollum. 88 Crime, uh, a Tucson native, but you too came uh, from somewhere else. Not that Cecily did, but our next guest, did. Uh, Lillian, did. Uh, a lot of people come from other places and uh, love Tucson, stay here. Uh, a lot of Tucsonans grow up here, leave, work career-wise, takes them around America, um, but then come back. Okay. All right, and hopefully to be able to utilise the skills and whatever they've learned and so on. What is your background... Starting out, first of all, where are you from?
2: I was born in Idaho, grew up in Washington State, and um, after college, I went to Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. I lived there for about 17, 18 years, and then moved to Tucson.
1: So in the time and that wonderful early grounding, uh, okay. there had to be something law-wise. I mean, one doesn't end up running a government department of ADA crime, which you're going to mm-hmm. find out all about, uh, unless there's some sort of – give us an idea of what you did career-wise.
2: Well, after college, my very first professional job was a bailiff in juvenile court. Um, juvenile court with the uh, little ones that was eye-opening straight out of college I bet you it was. from Spokane to Baltimore. <laughs> that by itself was an eye-opener. Right. Um, and then after I was a bailiff, I became a court commissioner in Baltimore City. And I was a court commissioner for almost 17 years.
1: So what does a court commissioner do?
2: In Baltimore, it's very different than what they do here in Arizona. In Baltimore, we had three primary responsibilities. One was to see defendants as soon as they're arrested. So a defendant was arrested. They were taken off the street. They were booked. And then they saw a court commissioner. The court commissioner determined their bail status, whether or not they're going to be held on bail or whether they're going to be released on their own recognizance. So that was one of our responsibilities. Another was to issue criminal charges. Wow. Yeah. Citizens would come in and fill out a form and tell us the who, what, when, where, why, and how. We would determine the criminal charges, either issue a criminal summons to get them in court if we thought the defendant would appear on their own, or issue an arrest warrant and um, have the officer bring them in. Mm -hmm. And then there would be a bail determination. The final responsibility was to post bails. So we would take, um, we would do the paperwork for either a cash bond or a bail bondsman or someone would put up their property. So we had those three primary responsibilities. Man,
1: that, that, to me, that sounds like an enormous amount of responsibility.
2: It was incredible. I, I was appointed in that position when I was 23 years old, just
1: I was gonna say, a couple it's to very- years <laughs> out
2: of college, so I had a lot to figure out right away. Wow, and yeah. as a non-lawyer, we did. we were a judicial officer So we worked very closely with the judges, but we were not lawyers. So we had to learn a lot about the law, to know the criminal charges, to know probable cause, and then determine bail, the appropriate amount. That
1: that would be the side of it for me that would – how does a 23-year-old understand that I have the power to either yes or no for bail, but what that could mean for that particular person, their job, their family, their scenario? You must have gone through an enormous amount of – uh, you know, tearing your hair out, deciding absolutely. which way to go.
2: Absolutely, you know? and I never saw it as, um, and uh, a power thing. I, I saw it more as I absolutely had to be impartial. I I couldn't take sides. That's Mm -hmm. what it was all about. What is the fair decision for the community, for the community safety, for the defendant? Are they going to show up or does law enforcement have to go track them down again? So it was really about impartiality and figuring out the right thing to do um, for both sides. And that's what um, a judicial officer does.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I Thank never you. knew before, you know, what uh, that role was. I had heard it was a bit more involved than, uh, yeah. you know, sitting there typing out and filling out forms for your boss. Yeah, uh, it was incredible. You, you had to do that. Uh, the Pima County Attorney's Office, the 88 crime tip line that takes anonymous tips on serious crimes mm-hmm. here in Tucson. The identity of the information provider or the tipster, it's kept anonymous. Correct. And the felony crime information is provided to a law enforcement agency for investigation. Correct. Now, if the tip leads to an arrest or criminal charges, the tipster, the darbarina, may be eligible for a reward. Correct. Okay. This is the mission of eighty-eight Crime. Absolutely. And it's to make Pima County and southern Arizona a safer place to both live and work. You have launched this. You know, you're out of the government office. You, you, you started this thing here, right? You've been at the coalface of it since its beginning.
2: No, actually, it began in 1980. Oh. Yes, it's been in Pima County, in the Pima County Attorney's Office since the 80s.
1: Well, I have never yes. heard much about oh it. Oh my
2: gosh, it's amazing. There it's,
1: you go. It's I so mean, 9 11 is, is always the 9 1 is the, and it's not 9 1
2: No. A big it's difference from that. Absolutely. It's very, very different. So, what 88 Crime does is 88 Crime takes the information and we keep the information provider anonymous. So we don't ask their name, their phone number, any of their contact information. We want the information on the suspect, the criminal, not the information on the provider. We take that information and send it to law enforcement, and then law enforcement does the great work that they do. They mm-hmm. go out there and they solve the crime off of the anonymous tip.
1: All right. We're going to come back in depth on that, if it's okay with you a little Absolutely. bit later on, because there's a lot more to it. It's... Bottom line is, how's it going now?
2: Wonderful. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay. It is. It's incredible.
1: Fair enough. Lillian. Lillian Marino Martinez. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm okay. We don't need to call 88 Crime yet, is there? We're (laughs) okay. Lillian, ladies and gentlemen, is a senior representative with Lillian & Associates. You offer financial services and a whole lot more. And you got into this business because you really are, in your mind, a people person. You love to help people. I do. Now, out of all the other opportunities you may have, could have done in life, career wise, you went for this. Give us a little bit of background on you, if you don't mind.
3: Of course. So, that lovely accent of yours, (laughs) for
1: starters, tells me that uh, what?
3: Okay, like you said, my name is Lillian Martinez, and I am 33 years old. And I was born in Nogales, Mexico, and I came here to the U.S. when I was 19. Um, And, you know, I always wanted to, like, become, you know, a better person. Um, I graduated high school, and I did go to college, but I dropped off like one year after because you know it's expensive and um, unfortunately I didn't have um, the research to keep going so I came over here to you know like look for like a better life better opportunities and it wasn't until around five years ago that um, I was brought um, with this opportunity so I've been trying to build my own business with this company on and off. Like mm-hmm. this is like the third time that I come back. And, but this time it's different because before it was like, if I didn't believe in myself, like I will let people bring me down. I will let people like talk me out of it, saying there's no way that I can do this. And, and at the end, like in my heart, like I really wanted to do it, but it was like I would just let people, you know, like decide for me if that's what you can does that is that, if that's what I you can know. say. That's wonderful. Um,
1: that's good. No, you stuck to your guns. But
3: now um so uh, after studying for like a long time, I finally passed my test and I got licensed through the state and I'm ready just, you know, to keep going and and you know what? People still make me feel bad, but I don't let them anymore. You know, I'm just going to keep going and um and and I'm never gonna give up.
1: <laughs> never give up number one. And you know, I still cop that from people, believe it or not. It's a human trait, unfortunately, in our society. There'll always be somebody to put ready to put you down, you know. But when they start all that jazz lily and just say to them, Would you like to pay my taxes? <laughs> you know, right. would you like to pay my rent?
3: Exactly. Like people just talk to their people, but they don't really know exactly what it is that you go through like every single day of your life. Well, so. you've done
1: well. And um, I could go a million ways with your background and coming to America um, with right now with hot topics as they are. But we have uh, we have three golden rules on our um, business radio network across America. We don't talk politics. We don't go into religion and we don't go into sport. Uh, we, we are about... Because uh, a lot of a lot of media leans left or leans right. Uh, we right. lean business. Exactly. So consequently, you understand when I say, I think it's wonderful what you've shared. And I would, you know, at other times, I could see how we could really go down the track of comparing and, you know, others who have come across and done well, very well, and others who, uh, you know, don't do anything. So... You decided to get interested into financial services. You must have seen others benefit from this in some way or another for you to say, you know what, Uh, that's something I could do and do well because I do want to help people.
3: Correct. Um, Well, the thing is that I love this company because of so many reasons. One of it... it's because we help people like I said um we do a lot of things for people but our bread and water will be um life insurance and I mean who doesn't need life insurance now in days you know what I mean like you go to the south side well anywhere in Tucson I've seen it but I've seen it more on the south side and a lot of car washes you know because a friend passed away and and honestly that's that breaks my heart. That's, that's, that's sad. You know, you shouldn't be thinking of how are you going to bear, bury your, your loved one. You know, you, in that moment, you just want to like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, so that's one of the reasons why I love this company very much because, um, we try to help people in that, um, to, to get families covered, um, the right way, not, not, Like I said, our agents are trained, and we're committed to always do what's right for people first before our pockets. And whatever I can do that can help somebody else, and then on top of that, I'm going to make a little bit of money. Like, Mm -hmm, why not? mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: So you do right firstly, then the money will come. Exactly. But it's not the priority. That's nice to hear. That's a very good (laughs) Good philosophy, if one can stick to it. Uh, You help families predominantly.
3: We also help them to get uh, financial independent. Um, We also help them to have access to um, legal services for just like. $29 a month Um, so there's a lot of things that that this company does and and I just love it
1: what about trying to get people out of debt do you do you deal in that as well
3: yes we do we we have um, in our in in our company we have what's called an FNA so it's a financial needs analysis and this is like a GPS that will um, find the problem and will help you fix it and um, the amazing part of, uh, of, of this is that we do this um, for our clients for free so we don't charge them we don't charge them. So we go you know to your house, we you give us all the information. Um, like I said we use uh, what's called the FNA and we'll find the problem and we'll fix it.
1: Just like that
3: just like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love you. that's good. Cecily. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really, you know, I've got to know, and I think you do too, Linda. How does one turn 25000 into $1.4 online? <laughs> raising funds, what, what did you do? What's your magic? Uh,
0: well, first of all, it was the early 2000s, so that was a huge time for online fundraising period and online e-commerce. It was growing quite a bit anyway. Um, but a lot of nonprofits really hadn't set themselves up well for that, for taking that in. The food bank was one of them. They kind of just considered it... You know, Another bucket, the website was a way that people could give donations, but they weren't really using it as a marketing tool all its own. It was just another way to send in money. Um, and so doing email, mass email campaigns, social media, we had specific um, smaller websites for a lot of our v- events. We did hunger walks, all sorts of things like that. So we really used it as the marketing tool that it is. Um, and it grew. Pretty exponentially, which was exciting.
1: You're joined in the business by uh, your designer by the name of Jessica Castillo.
0: I am, yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now she shares a background in nonprofit design. Yes. And uh, as you like to say, she's absolutely magic.
0: She is magic. She's my favorite designer. Okay. Before I worked with her, she was my favorite designer.
1: <laughs> what What does the designer do in her role in your company? Give us an example. Sure.
0: Well, so we have a, we're a pretty small company um, intentionally. Uh, we focus really intently. We only take a few websites at a time and then one person owns the whole project. So um, the easiest way to say it is she does what it looks like and I do how it works. So I'm the developer and she's the designer. So she puts hmm. together kind of all the visuals and then I actually build the sites um, and we both project manage.
1: Cool. And when you say small, the, deliberately keeping it small overheads, no doubt.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. But also the the... Com- the web firm I worked for previously scaled quite a bit, and so they got larger and larger. And I think that has a lot of benefits. But for the clients, sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Um, you get a different level of service with a much smaller company. Oh, so, true. for instance, you're talking to the same person over and over as opposed to talking to a project manager who's talking to a team of designers. Who's, right. you know, there's a lot of the game of telephone that happens in that case. So we so want it to be small.
1: if somebody says, look, we've got to get started, we haven't got a clue, we've got a bit of an idea where we want to go. Uh, but really, you're supposed to be the experts. Do you sit down? The both of you sit down on that initial briefing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We do a discovery meeting; is kind of the first step. Okay. So once once we have a client, so first we do kind of a proposal process, which we do a strategy review of a current site and um, tell you what we think we could do and what we think we could get you a better site and what that could do. Mm-hmm. Um, And then we do a discovery meeting. The process of redesigning a website is usually around a six-month process, so it's pretty intense. Isn't it? Uh-huh. We go through a bunch of different phases, starting with um, kind of site mapping. So we look at all the what's on the current website, what they currently have going on, any Google Analytics or statistics like that that anybody has.
1: Wow, Linda, here we go. Mm. We start talking jargon now. Hey, Lillian, (laughs) Google Analytics. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to know your business, right? And that's where it is today. It's not like it was, was it, 20 years ago?
0: No, it's valuable Uh, information. It's it's
1: another world. At Single Focus Web, your company, Mm -hmm. that you specialize with nonprofits, what do you pride yourself on? The biggest thing you pride yourself on.
0: Uh, the, I mean, the biggest thing we pride ourselves on is our websites because they're amazing. <laughs> um, but what we what we pride ourselves on, as I was saying, is is kind of being that small, focused mm-hmm. intent process. I think that's it's what companies want a lot when they work. Look, Work with a web firm. They want somebody to kind of take control and help them through the process and walk them through redoing their content, walk them through, you know, what content do we need, what's not going to be good, what are the right pathways for audiences, who are your audiences, things like that, that yeah, are yeah. skills we have and, and abilities we've come to, but not necessarily what a nonprofit executive knows how to do or has any experience.
1: Now, with. we're keeping in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that Ceciliani deals with nonprofits. That's right. Correct. Well,
0: that is that has been the case. That's for the been last the four backbone. Years. Right? Yes, we're okay. actually starting a new small business. Why?
1: Why did you start just doing for nonprofits? Oh, because of your background with corner shop. Was it or?
0: Yeah, um, and sort of the same reason as Lillian. I wanted to do. Um, it was
1: your way of paying so, forward really?
0: Yeah, from when I was pretty young, I actually one of my first website jobs. I was in Americorps when I was in my very very early twenties, and somebody needed a website, and I was the only one with a little bit of skills in that area. So hmm. I kind of just got started off on that. It's a different world. Um, sometimes than, than e-commerce sites because because it is donations and events and fundraisers and peer-to-peer giving and walks and things oh, like yeah. that. So it really is a very specific world and the tools are different that we use, mm-hmm. but there aren't tons of web firms that specialize in that. And so in general, web firms tend to focus on e-commerce clients and then they right. just sort of do a couple of nonprofit sites here and there. And we like to really make sure that's our
1: Well, there's one thing that is different. Your CRM, as we say, uh, is different from the traditional acrimine, isn't it?
0: Uh-huh. Yep. So a CRM is a constituent relationship manager. Um, and usually the way that nonprofits think of this, this is usually the tool that they use for donations or mass emails or anything like that. So it's the actual software that we use.
1: Okay. Um, now is this, is something called Bloomerang or is that a mistake? There's
0: one called Bloomerang. That's, yeah, that's
1: I thought right. it might have yeah. been Bloomerang for me. minute. I wasn't sure. No, it's like tapestry, like tapestry Classy. Now, what, what would they do? Mm-hmm. Those three as an example, what would they do?
0: So those are all examples of CRMs that a lot of nonprofits use, and they help nonprofits uh, accept donations online is the primary primary goal oh, okay but then also events so classy especially a lot of a lot of local nonprofits have used classy on their own even to do um things like breast cancer walks or, or things like that where they mm-hmm. want people to be able to make their own fundraising pages and share them with their friends and oh, okay. raise their money that way
1: well so they um, all those tools that's pretty cool it's very different because crm as we know in traditional business uh, always you know looking after about our client base, our database to keep following up, phoning up, uh, <laughs> sending emails to follow up as CRM, of course. But in this case, there you go, constituent relationship manager. <laughs> so, Linda, uh, you're taking all this in, are we?
2: Fascinating. You're a nonprofit, <laughs> aren't you? Well, we have two pieces to 88 Crime. We have the Pima County Attorney's Office, and I'm an employee of the office. And then there's a nonprofit that's affiliated with 88 Crime, a 501c3. 88 Crime Inc. So the nonprofit raises the funds to pay the rewards for 88 Crime. So they're the money folks. They Mm. raise the money and they spend the money. So the nonprofit. uh, How do they raise money? They have primarily right now they have one main fundraiser and it's a law enforcement appreciation dinner. So they sell tickets to the dinner, and it's an amazing night. And uh, reward the officers that made the most tips off the 88 crime cases, off the tips, the most arrests off the 88 crime tips. Um, and it's just a fun night, and that is their primary uh, fundraiser for the year. Well, and it's a idea. great time for law enforcement. Yeah,
1: one big fundraiser yeah. for the year. Then. Yes, but is that enough?
2: Well, there was a time when there were two. Um, they also had a golf tournament, and golf tournaments are difficult right now. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult time to have a golf tournaments. Some um, agencies are very um, productive in that way, and they're beneficial, and it just wasn't working out. So they put all their focus, all their attention on that one okay. fundraiser. Mm -hmm.
1: How can a person give a tip to ADA crime? And why would they be giving a tip anyway? Give us an idea of what would promulgate be doing this.
2: There's, um, okay, so there's three ways a person can give a tip to ADA crime. And they're all three anonymous by phone. Just pick up the phone and call us. We don't have caller ID. It's a specific line. Um, We don't ask for name or contact information. And we can take the tip um, by phone. We can also do a web tip. Um, you can go to our website, and there's a little link, submit a tip. Hang
1: on a minute. Mm-hmm. First of all, you just said uh, there's no names or anything given. No Correct. idea. No idea. Correct. Correct. How would
2: one know how to pay me? So that's a good question. When the first contact is made, whether it's uh, – we also take tips by mobile app. So whether it's mobile app or web or phone, it's wor- we work it off of a tip number. So there are two tip numbers that we give. One is kind of like a case number. It's very long, a couple of digits, a couple of um, mm-hmm. letters. So we work off of two unique identifiers. Okay. And so we encourage, if it's, on, if it's by phone, we encourage them to keep in touch with us because we cannot contact them. So keep in touch with us if your tip leads to an arrest or an indictment, law enforcement solves a case, up, um solves a case off mm-hmm. of the tip, mm-hmm. then they're eligible for a reward from the nonprofit.
1: So so really from the very from from the get-go, it's been documented. Correct. Through that long specific exactly. It's like a file number, if you like. Exactly.
2: Right, correct. There are two different numbers.
1: Okay. So really you've got the phone number.
2: No, we don't have the phone number.
1: Well, how would you know? if I don't give you a right name or an address or any other form? Correct. But I call you and correct. say, look, I know the guy that robbed that bank. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. And this is who it is. See you later, right?
2: Right. Correct. And we'll say, thank you for contacting us. Here's your case number. Here's your tip number. One very long tip and number. That's the one. And then there's a second number. We work off of two different numbers. So we encourage them to keep in contact with us. And when they call us back, then they need to give us both numbers so we can identify that person. So we can match, not identify, we can match that person with the tip that they provided. So if that leads to an arrest, law enforcement contacts us and said this particular tip number led to an arrest, then we take both numbers that we gave to the information provider. We put it on a check. Mm-hmm. An actual check. We make it out to one case number, mm-hmm. a memo the other number, tell them what bank to go to. Mm-hmm. They'll go to the teller. They give them both unique numbers, and the teller hands them cash. So there's no exchange and of And even names, that's private. Signatures, uh, absolutely. No
1: one knows I've gone to the bank with that check scenario. Absolutely. I can follow me. Absolutely. Uh, what does come to mind for me, though— um, Maybe, Cecily, you've thought of this too. How long between drinks? How long does it take for something to finish up and be found to be true and become a case and become an arrest and become a conviction and all of this before one's paid?
2: Very good question. So part of it depends on the type of the tip it is. So if it's a fugitive, a a bank robber, that law enforcement has already identified, and there is a wanted poster, so to speak, out Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. So law enforcement will do that. You know, do you know this person, a bank robber, call 88 Crime, give them the information. So we will get the name of the individual the suspect and where they're located ideally send that to law enforcement and law enforcement especially in the robbery cases they're right on it if a suspect is known to be at a location they know they need to make that happen right away okay so before they move on
1: there's an emergency thing as about, soon
2: as right. law enforcement tells us this particular tip led to an arrest that case will go to the board of directors the board of directors the nonprofit, they meet every month so, every 30 days, roughly, they'll meet, and they will make an award determination, and that check goes to the bank within a week, and the information provider can pick it up. So, the quickest turnaround time with immediate response and action could be about 35 days, perhaps.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, not bad. You know, how much money can a person get for a tip?
2: The largest dollar amount, up to $2,500. Okay. And that's typically for your homicide cases, your very, very violent cases, which would be the highest dollar amount.
1: Uh, Are tax dollars used to pay for these rewards, Linda?
2: No, they're not. Um, All of the rewards come from the nonprofit. The 501c3.
1: And that's where all those uh, events that you do, or the one big one, uh, is important. Correct. So it would encourage people to go. What what types of crimes uh, can be reported to 88 crime?
2: The most serious. So um, 88 crime is for community safety or safety. So the most violent crimes, that would be your homicide, your robberies, your home invasion. We also take tips on fatal hit and runs. Uh, on a lot of tips on um, felony drug sales.
1: Really? Yeah. The
2: drugs, the money, the weapons—that's not a safe environment. Well, so I saw someone
0: stealing a bike a couple of weeks ago, and I actually <laughs> took a picture. Would that be too small? Do you think? Um,
2: typically, we don't take a, a bike. Okay. Type offense. Yeah. Now, if there's a person that, um, like a theft scheme, uh-huh. perhaps. That would put it up more in a felony range. But a bike off of a porch, that's typically not something we work off. It's It's really not a crime of violence. It's important, no No doubt.
1: Yeah, it is important, particularly to, uh, well, I just happen to know of cases that they say for a long time, it was the pride and joy of the child. It was important for him to get to school. Uh, All these other wonderful things. And yes, it's only a bike. But, right. but, but they never got it back again.
2: Right. And you're right. That's,
1: you know, and yet I can tell you who took it. Right. Here's even a photograph.
2: Right. Well. You know, and that information is essential for law enforcement. It doesn't mean it's not important. Mm-hmm. It just means we have to really manage our resources, of course. Our, our funds, our time. But definitely, that's something law enforcement needs. And it sounds like you just solved a case, so we need to get that information (laughs) to the right person.
1: What about some of the families that you help, Lillian? You hear of cases like that, stories, all sorts of things. Uh, Yeah. Sad, huh? I,
3: I, I you do become like come, you do find a lot of very, very like really bad stories, especially. With the family, I mean, it's always hard to lose anybody, but when you hear stories about family losing, um, like young kids, it's just heartbreaking. Um, especially you know, I have two, and they're still little. My son is two and a half, and my daughter's five, and I just can't, could not imagine. What
1: are their names? What's your little boys' name?
3: Um, my son, his name is Alexander, and my daughter, her name is Angelique. And Two A's, huh? Yes.
1: Hey, Alexander and Angelique. And Angelique. Lovely, and Angelique. lovely names. Let's talk on a brighter note. What about uh, how do you help retirement people? How? Uh, how? What do you do to to open up doors for them to give them a bit better
3: life? Um. So we tell them to start investing young, and the reason why would be because um. That way they don't pay the high cost of waiting. And, I mean, I could go a little bit more deeply in that.
1: You can go in-depth a little bit, yeah. You
3: have um, a good
1: 30 seconds. <laughs>
3: so we kind of, like, teach them how to, like, like an example. Um, if you start at um, saving, let's just say $89 at 25 and if we put that in a mutual fund that's let's just say let's throw a number uh, at a 9% uh, by the end of your retirement you could have $500,000 mm. isn't that amazing I mean you start 25 um, you only need to you know invest or you can say put in a mutual fund $89 and by the end by by the time you retire like you will have half a million dollars just just like that so we kind of like teach people how to do you know all that um we love teaching people <laughs> <laughs> that we focus on that. It sounds
1: like mucho money to me, I tell
3: you. <laughs> Never
1: <laughs> my <am I> mutual. <laughs> uh, right. So uh, you enjoy that uh, because, I mean, uh, how many 25 year olds do you meet that realize they've got to put money away if they want to have anything later? Not a lot, <laughs> like
3: not a lot, but that's what we're here for. Like, we kind of like sit down with them and explain them how it works and everything. And at the end, and they're like, really, are you are you are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, we are serious. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you can give like a so you can have a better future and then. You know, because who wants to work for the rest of their life, right? Like nobody, like I would want to retire, like with $500,000, why not? Um, but then um, we also tell you that if you wait, um, that's that's why we call it the high cost of waiting. Because um, like I said, if at 25, you, you, you save 89. But then if you wait just 10 more years, so you start saving at age 35, uh, you will have to save double, which is $224 to, to get to your goal, which would be $500,000. So the more you wait, the more you have to save. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So that's
3: why it's important to strike young.
1: All right. Now, I believe there's also an opportunity of uh, you helping people that you like to do to earn extra income. Is that, that right? That's true. how does your firm work with that? How do, you, how do you offer that?
3: That's right. So this is the second reason why I love this company so much because, like I was saying before, um, we don't even ask you for like a high school diploma um, here, and um, we, um, we 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 train you from scratch, so you don't need no experience or nothing like that. Um, what I do tell people is, um, if you're gonna do this just because of the money, um, I'ma let you know right now it's not gonna work out. You have to like to help people. Like you have to want and like you have to love to help people, or at least like to help people. Because if you're just gonna do it for the money. Um, it just doesn't work like that like I said uh, with us it's very important um, that you think about that family first instead of be thinking oh how much money am i going to be getting out of this policy do you know <laughs> what i mean I know exactly <laughs> because it happens it happens a lot but um you know i know that we do the right way the right thing for people 100 percent of the time
1: the company's lillian and associates you'll have a ball you'll help people you'll feel great doing it you won't make anything but it'll be absolutely
3: <laughs> no, no like we, we get paid very well to be honest uh,
1: there you go You're listening to Tucson Means Business on Tucson Business Radio X right here, coming out of the Stewart Title Building on Broadway. And, of course, we're proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, a wonderful course and wonderful club here in Tucson. I have the Director of Memberships and Tournaments, Casey Polivjack. Casey,
4: tournaments are a big thing for a golf club. Uh, absolutely. Um, we are a semi-private club, which means we have membership available, but we also are open to the public. Um, With being open to the public, we welcome um, nonprofit uh, tournaments, uh, fundraisers, Um, We specialize in groups from 4 to 144. See, this is an important thing, isn't it, in the community.
1: Uh, Companies would love to do something for their staff, something that's different, but they don't want the course to be too hard, and they want it to be friendly. They want the service to be right and the atmosphere to make it a really fun day. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's what you strive to do, isn't it? It's part of your uh, whole job, really.
4: I think that's what we uh, we specialize in is the... How am I going to say this? The, the, the tournament that's not looking at spending too much money because they're in it to make money for their for their charity. Right. So we offer really good uh, facilities, uh, a great golf course. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it's not the best golf course in Tucson. It's not the nicest facilities, but everything is good out there. And your guests are going to have a good experience because of the value that they're getting for uh the cost of the tournament
1: there you go that's an important factor it's all very well you know wanting to have a great day out for everybody but if it breaks the bank then it defeats the whole purpose absolutely and if you're trying to raise funds which is an integral part because tucson seems to be a wonderful place for raising funds there's so many people who support so many wonderful causes Mm -hmm.
4: and there is a lot of uh you know great causes out there and you know people get they kind of come to a a fork in the road um you know, you got school sponsorships that, uh, you know, booster clubs. Um, there's so many uh, fundraising uh, facilities uh, possibilities out there that uh, we really have specialized in golf tournaments for people and helping them maximize the amount of money they can make. Mm-hmm. Um, I've put together a, a brochure to help people that have never Uh, run a golf tournament that will kind of take them from step one until, you know, the day of the event. That's very, very good. If people uh, from somewhere now, maybe
1: they're moving into Tucson with a new business, new company, whatever, how can they get hold of you directly?
4: Uh, You know, they can call me directly at 520- 749-4925. Extensions 212, but we recommend you go to the the website. Uh, It's a great way to, uh, you know, get information about the club on uh, not only golf tournaments, but membership. That website is... 49ercc.com, F-O-R-T-Y-N-I-N-E-R-C-C.com.
1: There you go. Casey Belifchak. He's the director of memberships and tournaments. He's the fellow to speak to. Now back to the show. It's um, Tucson Means Business, and uh, I'm glad you're on the show, Lillian, because, uh, you know, it's, this is your first time on any sort of uh, public appearance whatsoever, and you're doing a good job. I'm so nervous. No, don't be nervous. <laughs> and this is what it's like to start at one end of the scale, uh, like your very first career position.
3: Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate. Well, that's um, good
1: because then we have Linda and we've heard her story, what she's doing, and, of course, Cecily. And uh, when we come back, we're going to delve a little bit more into companies, onto the nonprofit side of things because I believe, well, what was it? I think I heard it the other day, in America uh, this year I think we're down 10%. Overall, on nonprofits um, gaining uh, their annual budgets that they need. So it's a hard industry and there's a lot of choices. So the work that Cecily does this is an example. And then we've got the view of from Linda of being a nonprofit. So we're going to delve into that and we're going to do that when we come back from this break. So, as I was saying, Cecily, how about you name a couple for us here in Tucson of people that, well, you've been fortunate enough for them to want to work with you because they've trusted you. I think that's an industry, when it comes to not-for-profits, that trust is a big thing. Yeah. And to name a few of the clients that you've been lucky enough to gain their trust, uh, let's have a look here. Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, big cause. Uh, Casa de los Niños. <laughs> right? Casa de los Niños. Yes, the, that's the children's. Uh, no, it's not the children's museum at all, but the children's museum is another one.
0: That's true. Yes. Isn't a it? different that's, client. Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, what's literacy, uh, literacy connects? Uh, literacy
0: connects literacy connects is a great nonprofit they do literacy training obviously for both adults and children right um, lots for adults for immigrant uh, populations mm-hmm. um, all sorts of stuff and they work with tons of volunteers they're amazing everybody check out their website well,
1: how, how would you sit down and, and we will that's why I'm mentioning <laughs> that but how do you sit down and and you know create this one as an example
0: uh, they're a great example so they they're actually an interesting nonprofit I believe that they um, they were formed when four maybe other nonprofits bonded together to become Literacy Connect. So they were, but I'm totally wrong on that number. Don't don't quote me on that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was a bunch of nonprofits that all focused on literacy and they realized they were kind of, you know, duplicating work and they didn't need to be, and maybe they could better use their resources together, by yeah. yeah, which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had a website already. It was quite old. And unfortunately it had a problem that a lot of nonprofits websites have that it was just this old, huge, mini-paged behemoth Mm -hmm. um, that really nobody was using because it was hard to find the information. And if you did find the information, you had no idea if it was accurate or current or anything like that. It was hard Mm -hmm. to make donations. Mm -hmm. It was hard to find things. And the people that wanted services, there weren't a lot of tools for that online. So they weren't able to find classes, um, which they do regular Mm -hmm. adult education classes, and so that's it's important for people to be able to find those quickly. So we worked with them to kind of figure out who their different audiences were and then um, what they needed to get from their website, what would help them, and we mm-hmm. put together the website with those things in mind.
1: So and for it's, their and it looks nice. It's done a good job. A very important one is the Emerge Center uh-huh. against yeah. uh, domestic abuse. Yes, and uh, we're
0: actually working on that currently, so we haven't launched for them yet.
1: We're Children's working. Clinics, the True Concord Voices and Orchestra, mm-hmm. and many, many others. So that's quite a lineup, isn't it?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been lucky.
1: So what is the benefit, do you think, of a new website now in 2019?
0: I think your website is your absolute number one most important marketing tool. At this point in 2019, people look at your website all the time. If you have a restaurant, Mm -hmm. you have to assume that everybody has checked out that website before they got there. They've probably seen it on a desktop, and even more likely, they've probably seen it on their phone. Right. Um, So to think of that as... For instance, an old website like Liter- Literacy Connects old website as just a bunch of old material that may or may not be accurate is a real danger. You would never pass out flyers that have all this old junk on them and don't have anything new and you're not giving people what they want. If mm-hmm. you have an event coming up or something like that, that should be up front and center. Um and really, I mean, anymore, a website pays for itself. For nonprofits, it pays for itself in donations.
1: Well, it's your front part. door, isn't it, basically, these yeah, days? It is. Even on yeah. traditional radio that you hear, and television commercials, and even in the paper, even in print, uh, and magazines, whatever. You never saw this in the old days. But now it's always go to the website. The beauty of the website is you can sit there in your pajamas at two in the morning, do all the research you want to do, read all you want to read. And then if you want to do anything, you can take it further. So how often do you think uh, websites need to be replaced, to be honest, and refreshed for that matter?
0: Um, Best practice is every two to three years that you should really be doing a redesign. That's... A lot for a lot of nonprofits. So some nonprofits have much older sites than that. Obviously, but nice most nonprofits don't have
1: much money either, do they?
0: That's true, and and that's the thing. When we talk about a redesign, it doesn't have to be a complete redesign. So right. if you put yourself in a good tool, um, for instance, WordPress is one we work with a lot that you guys have probably heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, a good CMS tool, you can do a redesign quite easily every few years, or just keep it fresh the whole time. Do mm-hmm. new homepages, things like that, without starting from
1: scratch. Well, that's important because dummies like me, the non techies. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we still like to be interactive and effective uh, websites, but without having to pay a fortune for it. Certainly. Yes. You can't afford to do that. Uh, what do you think differentiates single-focus web from the other choices people have right here in Tucson web development?
0: Sure. Um, well, I think number one is that we focus on nonprofits, as I said. Um, but the really the most important difference, I think, between us is how we run the project so that we do have a very small place and we have one owner per project. So in larger firms, it's usually a team of people working on your project. You have one project manager that's usually not a technical person. Um, And you're sort of describing to them what you want. And then they're describing to another team of people who are describing it along the way. And I think a lot can get lost in that. And um, having the kind of service where your developer is actually talking to you and going through the process and talking to you about different solutions for the problems that you see, uh, it can just get you such a more useful website um i think and i think that because of that we bill a little bit differently as well so we a lot of web firms they charge based on scope so if you decide you want some new functionality halfway through so if we're talking about your audience and i say something to you like well it would be really great if we could make a contact form that automatically emails these three people when this person fills it out Another web firm would say, oh, well, unfortunately, we didn't plan for that, so we have to charge extra for that
1: scope. Right. And okay. we
0: obviously nonprofits can't budget for that very well, and they mm-hmm. tend to have stricter budgets and mm. have to do yearly. So we just do a full project thing. There's no scope, extra charges. Whatever scope, whatever functionality would benefit the nonprofit, we do it.
1: Sounds amazing, doesn't it, Linda? It does. It yeah. does. <laughs> Speaking of Linda McCollum, it's anonymous. Not her, but 88 Crane <laughs> What law enforcement agencies does 88 Crime work with?
3: We
2: work with the um, Tucson Police Department, Pima County Sheriff's Department, U.S. Marshal, Department of Public Safety, Murano, Oro Valley, um, all of the agencies in in Pima County. And we also service Santa Cruz, and um, Hmm. they don't have anyone. So it's all about helping where you can. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I think it would be fascinating to get some stats from those people. Maybe you could work with me if we did a special show based on all those that you just mentioned mm-hmm. to share uh, the experiences that they've mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. how it's been working for them, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're out and about doing all the time, seeing these people, isn't it? I mean, sure.
2: Most most of our work is right here in Tucson. Um, most of our most crimes of the are crime. in Tucson. If we do get information from Santa Cruz will definitely take it, send it out to their law enforcement agencies and mm. work with them in the same manner. Mm-hmm. And the board would pay a reward if a tip did leave to mm. an arrest. But most of our work is right here in Tucson and in Pima County.
1: But in saying that too, if for anybody listening wherever you are around the world and you're thinking of moving, uh, there's not much crime here in Tucson, <laughs> so you're, you're most welcome here, you know. Uh, okay, it's, it's a wonderful it's, place. ADA <laughs> Crime is not a substitute for 911. It's That's very correct. different. Correct. If it's anonymous, How does the tip to get the reward, as she explained before? Just mention briefly again, please, uh, Linda, how that works. Somebody gives a tip. It's anonymous. Correct. And it can be anything at all, you know, except bikes off of what we call a (laughs) small.
2: Sorry about your bike.
1: (laughs) That system works. I want to know I'm totally secure that no one could ever find me if I gave you that tip.
2: Right. And we don't ask. So we don't ask your name. We don't um, care to take your name or your information. So if you were to call us and say, my neighbor is selling drugs, the information that we sent to law enforcement is not that the neighbor called in. We would take the address, we would take the information on the suspect, and we would give that to law enforcement. The only way that we identify our information provider is through those tip numbers, so if they're calling back to give an update on that information, we go off of those tip numbers. In order for them to get their cash reward, we go off of those tip numbers.
1: Okay. So well, they have you've heard it. I mean it's pretty safe.
2: It is. We, we do know. our best to make it that way. We want people to feel safe and to be safe. That's really what we're all about is a community safety. And why would a person give crime information on someone that they're afraid from?
1: Well, that was going to be my next right? question. The only thing that really concerns me, like you just said before, you know, my next door neighbor's doing this or doing exactly. that. When really it's it's a lot of hogwash. You know what I mean? He mightn't like the neighbor. He might assume that there's something going on.
2: That's true. I think most of our... Uh, Is, are
1: there stats at all on bad calls or dummy calls?
2: I think that's going to be hard to detect. And the reason being, we send that information out to law enforcement. they are good people. Mm -hmm. They know what they're looking for Mm -hmm. and they know how to solve crime. So we'll send that information out. Let's say a drug tip because we get a lot of drug sale tips. Mm. So they'll go out and they'll take a look and um, they'll come back to us and say, we did not identify the activity that was mentioned in the tip. So I don't know that that necessarily (coughs) means that it was a bad call. Right. Maybe they just didn't See that action. Maybe they went to California to pick up drugs. I mean, I, I really don't know mm-hmm. what the circumstances are, but I feel that we get a small number of tips that are absolutely not
1: true. Well, that's good to hear. Could, yeah, that would do damage to the surface, sure. I would think.
2: Sure, it, it could I be.
1: I mean, you can imagine a guy next door, to, you know, peering through the the blinds as, as the fuzz turn up. Right. <laughs> they want to inspect this particular guy right. next door to him because the tip was there. Correct. And And, uh, you know, he says, oh, I hope we can to make some money here, you know what I mean? But it's a right. lot of rubbish. Correct. I mean, you've just got to be careful. People do strange things for strange reasons. They and do. it sounds like the 99% of what you're doing is is doing a great job and um, you know we want to keep it going how do you raise funds
2: well that's what the nonprofit does so the nonprofit
1: just that one big event
2: yes they're doing the that's one incredible. big event and they may decide to branch out and maybe do a few more maybe add a second event
1: what uh, are the uh, contact numbers if people uh, you're open to speaking to people aren't you if they call you directly if people need to speak with you, uh, to uh, get involved, or help in any way
2: with the idiot crime, absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. how can people
1: contact you?
2: They can contact me off of the um, office number seven two seven.
1: Is that the seven two four number? Yes. Five six one seven. Okay, right. so that's five two zero seven two four. 5617. Correct. What about websites? The Is it just the adacrime.org is probably the best?
2: Yes, and that website is quite amazing. So we have flyers up there. There's a tab that mm-hmm. says fugitives. The fugitives are individuals that have arrest warrants out for them currently Mm -hmm. so if you see this person you can contact us and tell us where they're located we'll send that to law enforcement and they'll go out there and attempt to make the arrest we also have another tab that's called cases and those are the unsolved cases Mm. so there's a fatal hit and run law enforcement will say we're looking for this vehicle the incident occurred on this cross street at this time of day if you have any information Um, contact us. Or what we see a lot of is law enforcement putting out the media releases on the photos from the banks or the stores, someone that had robbed them. Some of those pictures are pretty good. And when they're clear, we have a great uh, rate of solving those cases.
1: Fantastic. Well, you do a great job and uh, keep it up. Pima County uh, Attorney's 88 Crime Program, um, Linda McCollum was our guest in reference to uh, sharing that story with us today because a lot of people, I'd say a lot of people don't know about it, yeah. really. You know, I think uh, I think um, what you're doing now uh, is very different to what happened in the 80s uh, and 90s in reference to this, you know, because now you're doing it full bore. Lillian, uh, Marino Matinez. <laughs> good luck with your career.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Is there anything that, uh, one last question for all of you, I'm going to come back to in a second, but you think about this. Uh, you've told me how much you love this company and you wouldn't do anything else. So that, And you're too young to think of anything uh, that's changed your mind. But if you've got any advice for young people, perhaps who may be listening to you on this particular show, you think about maybe a little bit of advice you'd like to give them and we'll come back on that. All okay. right, and the same with Linda, we'll do that. And we're going to do the same with Cecily, but I just haven't quite finished yet with Cecily. There was another one or two questions that was bugging me. I didn't quite uh, finish off on something I wanted to ask her. Uh, Well, for starters, your your phone numbers and addresses and where can can people contact you?
0: Um, The easiest way is singlefocusweb.com.
1: Singlefocusweb. I like the name, actually. Thank you. It means means I'm zeroed in, yes?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Partly because we're zeroed in on nonprofits, but partly also because we, um, one person owns the project, and we really focus on the projects and do only a few at a time. So,
1: well, I, I, I what do you think, Linda? I like what I've heard. What they do, amazing. You know, amazing, um, wonderful. Because uh, keep up the good work. Oh, thank You're you. You're certainly paying it forward. There's <laughs> no doubt nice. about that. Um, specializing in doing websites. And it's more than just the websites. They, You know, it's talking marketing as well and really supporting uh, mm-hmm. non-profits. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they do. Creative director and founder, actually, of Single Focus Web was our guest today in Cecily Uriza Fort. And um, it was lovely having you on the show.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You on uh, Facebook as well. What's that address?
0: Uh good question single focus web uh, <laughs> facebook.com
1: Facebook. slash single focus yeah. web of course <laughs> it's easy isn't it yeah. and then you've got um the url is probably the best way to go
0: yeah and and really there's a contact form on there too so it's pretty easy for people to get a hold of us yeah thing. you're yeah. welcome to call me it's 520-245-5819 mm-hmm. but single focus web you can also see some websites we've done and
1: and that's a good thing like that that's, work. that's a good thing being able to have a look and Have a squeeze, as they say, and see what you've done. (laughs) All right, young uh, Lily, hmm? what's your advice?
3: I would say um, always follow your dreams. Never give up. And don't let anybody never ever tell you that you can't do something.
1: I think that's pretty strong. Uh-huh. Thank you, Lillian Marino Martinez. Thank you. Lillian & Associates, and you can always call her if you'd like to talk about the business she's in and maybe you'd like to look at it. It's 520-347-1550.
3: We also do auto and home insurance.
1: As well as. <laughs> everything will be up on um, the Sum Business Radio X website their photographs, their bios, their background and their contact numbers, so you could just go to the site. See what I mean? Just go to the site, and you can get everything you need there. What about you, Linda? If you were giving advice now to somebody?
2: We're all one community. We're all in it together. We all need to be safe. Um, And we can help one another. We can look out for one another. If you don't feel safe, then you can't be you. You don't focus on those things that are important to you, those things that you're good at. We need to be safe. The businesses, they need to be safe. The individuals, the homes, the schools, the people. We're here for community safety, and we are all in it together. We all feel the hurt and the pain when something goes wrong. We're here for law enforcement to keep them safe as well. And we work very hard for the community. They deserve it.
1: I think that's a darn good bit of advice. Mm -hmm. Well and truly, how different a whole environment is when people do feel safe. Cecily, what advice? I mean, you've done wonders as a young lady from when you first started and studied and worked hard and here you are at your own company and look at the success you've already had. It's a tribute to you. (laughs) But if someone was listening now as perhaps a young lady who thought, you know, I've always wanted to do design, is it really the right move to make these days, the future? What do you see?
0: it's I from my perspective it's an absolutely great career um web web stuff is continuing to blow up obviously the early 2000s were an insane time where anybody could kind of get in and it was wonderful but um that's still sort of true and in a lot of ways you know web development something you can start out on on your own you don't necessarily have to pay a lot of money or do things like that there's so many tools online to start to learn stuff and it's it's pretty great it's you get to work from home in a lot of positions, and that's pretty great. Everybody loves that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies. It's been amazing, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed Tucson Men's Business, uh, proudly brought to us by the 49ers Golf and Country Club. It's the hidden jewel of the desert here in Tucson. And if you're visiting, uh, blowing through, whatever, make sure you get out to the Rincon Grill. Say hello to Mac of the Chef, Mackenzie Taylor. She'd love to meet you and they'll be sponsoring another show with us pretty soon. So look out for that, and thank you for listening.